Hello, welcome back. This is the Quacked Out Podcast, and I'm Charlie, and you are Reed, and we both were in attendance for Oregon versus Utah. Um, had a nice little pregame at Rennie's, uh, got to meet some mutuals, it was great. Um, result was a win, uh, very much in contention for most of this game. Um, but Reed, this is this was your first game of the year, right? How'd it go? How did you enjoy the atmosphere? Well, I'd been at the UCLA game too, of course. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this atmosphere was different, mostly because of the weather. Uh, it was very cold inside Autzen Stadium during this game. Um, mm-hmm. And the lead up to it too, I definitely felt a lot more optimistic going into the UCLA game. We were together, like you said. We were both, I felt like, you know, over the last couple days since we recorded our pregame podcast for that the optimism on Bo's health definitely soured a bit for me. Uh, <laughs> I did not know if he was going to play and felt like it was trending towards he wasn't going to play. Uh, but, of course, first snap, he goes out there to a huge roar. Um, but, yeah, we were we were not feeling great. It was kind of hoping for a miracle, it felt like. And that's what happened. I would have signed up for the ugliest win possible uh, <laughs> going into that game. It was in. Definitely not a pretty win uh, in the end, but I will absolutely take it. Yeah, same. Um, like you said, I, I think one of the biggest plays of the game was just the fact that Bo trotted out on the first play. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he was basically on one leg all night, uh, he had that little three-yard scamper at the end to seal the game. But um, And in the second half, the offense really struggled, but we'll, we'll get into all that. Um, in general, though, it was definitely a fun game to attend uh, from like a, I don't know, just an atmosphere standpoint, I think. Uh, there was a nice woman behind us in our seats. I was there with Dylan McKinnon, another uh, journalist. Um, and there, there was an old woman behind us feeding us tequila, which was great. Shout out to her. Um, and chocolates and whatnot. It was great. Uh, the game itself was, like you said, it was disgusting. Um, it was pretty ugly from an offensive standpoint, although still pretty fun. Like, I don't know, for me, a big part of going to these games is like being really loud on third and fourth down. I'm still kind of getting my voice back as people can probably hear. Um, and the ducks actually got stops on third downs for once, uh, which was really nice. And a lot on fourth downs, actually. Uh, it looks like Utah went eight for 15 on third and then one for four on fourth. Um, so it's still not a great percentage on third down, but I mean, at least we got off the field sometimes. Um, (laughs) generally speaking in this game, the big thing we have to talk about is that the defense actually showed up. Um, and it was a lot different than what we thought the game would look like with or without Bo. All of our score predictions were, were higher with or without Bo than this game ended up being. Why do you think that is? Is, can we point to a reason? I think the biggest point of speculation is, did anything happen with play calling after the Washington game? Uh, I know, I mean, even like Josh Pate said this on Late Kick on Sunday. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it. Um, but I did, he, actually. Yeah, and he kind of insinuated that it could have. I don't know how well-sourced that is necessarily. Obviously, people, particularly in the South, carry their own ideas about Tasha's reputation as a play caller from his time at Alabama. Uh, So I think it's tied in with that. But also that said, you know, when it gets to a national guy, it probably has some legs to it. It's a little different than Oregon fans just hoping that that might be the case. Uh, If that's true, that would be huge, right? I mean, if that's (laughs) true and we saw that big of a change in the Oregon's defensive output, that would be huge because for the first time, you know, I was leaving the stadium and uh, talking to my dad who was at the game with me and he was, you know, saying, oh, it felt like the defense stepped up for the best time, biggest time this year, carried the performance, you know, and for me, I was like, yeah, when is the last time I felt that way? Probably not since the 2019, 2020 Rose Bowl, honestly, Mm -hmm. and it made me think back to what we said about this defense in the preseason. Like, could they live up to the mark of 2019? Uh, This felt like a 2019-esque defensive performance, like one of those Mm -hmm. games versus Cal, you know, or something where the offense (laughs) couldn't get anything going and it was asking the defense over and over again 
to come up and get a stop. And that way it was really fun because it felt like a team that was really beaten up, um, just fighting, you know, any way possible to hold on to conference title contention uh, in a battle against a team that obviously beat them pretty bad twice last year. And so it was a cool home environment in that way. Uh, and definitely, I, you know, the home crowd has a lot better chance to kind of rally around the defense. So in that way, it felt more involved as, as fans because there was some success there. Uh, com has Utah having a 0% success rate on passing downs in the fourth quarter, um, which is pretty crazy to think about. I mean, I can think of a couple plays. I mean, maybe that's only accounting for times they passed on passing downs because I can remember at least one rising scramble on like a third down. Um, and like Dalton Kincaid had a, had a catch there too. So I don't know where that stat comes from. Maybe it's flawed, but either way, I think it underlines that Oregon's defense did step up and make plays in this game, particularly on late downs. Um, and so maybe let's get into a quicker summary, definitely quicker than last week, um, of how this game went and started off well for Oregon. Bucky Irvin gets a touchdown on a long first drive, um, long from a play standpoint, not a time standpoint necessarily. Um, Utah tries to come answer back, and then they get stopped on a third and 11 at the Oregon 20, forced to kick a field goal. Um, and they still even miss that field goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon comes back, you know, battles through the first half. Both teams missed opportunities throughout. There was that weird sequence at the start of the second quarter where Bo Nix uh, throws Dante Thornton, who fumbles. And then the next play, Cameron Rising has a pass intercepted by Bennett Williams. Um, on back-to-back plays. I can't remember the last time I, I saw something that weird yeah. from a turnover standpoint. Um, and then, you know, Oregon takes a 14-3 to lead. You're feeling pretty good about this game. Fast forward to, like, the fourth quarter, and it feels like a completely different game. Uh, it feels like a game Oregon is on the verge of losing. Um, I don't know about you, but for me late in this game it was it was really starting to turn into that sinking stanford i think mm-hmm. we should just call it the stanford feeling at this point because <laughs> it's happened again. yeah you know exactly what i'm talking about oh already. i know like, yeah just well. the the growing pit in your stomach um that you know you're throwing away the game and you know there's like every it, it's not that you can't do anything about it uh it's that they can do everything about it and they're just not doing it you, um you know what else it kind of is that there for you it kind of reminded me of uh, actually the the United States Wales game that was yesterday morning. Ooh. In that contrast between the first and second half, uh, <laughs> wow! And like that's felt, a great call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, for people who watch that, um, and it felt the same way here. Like, okay, we're you know we're threatening, we're threatening, like we're putting up points. There's no reason we shouldn't be able to do this in the second half. And then all of a sudden, it was like, whoa you know where are the opportunities that were there uh and just kind of being vulnerable to to whatever utah was going to bring uh on their counterattacks there and yeah i mean this game's i i think the biggest easiest explanation for that is probably bo's health uh you know you can imagine he probably got a shot of something pre-game uh was maybe feeling a little <laughs> better went into the locker room after you know, being out there for an hour playing in the first half stiffened up a little bit. And that mobility seemed maybe a little worse in the second half, obviously really strange scene when you come out of the half and Ty Thompson takes the first snap for Oregon offensively. And it ends in, yeah. a, you know, just a ridiculous, <laughs> I mean, it, it's another situation where I feel bad because it's difficult to say watching the replay like, oh, that's completely Ty Thompson's fault. And yet <laughs> it's hard also to forgive the fact that, you know, he played one snap offensively <laughs> that was obviously the worst snap, you know, worst result possible uh, and by far the worst result offensively on any snap of the night. Uh, and it's not the first time we've seen that happen. And I mean, I think it speaks volumes, maybe not volumes, maybe it just speaks like a little bit, a volume <laughs> that the that the coaching staff pulled tie after that play. Yeah. I mean, I think it just kind of goes back to the overall sense that 
you were talking about with Ty in there, like the team, the offense just doesn't feel as comfortable with him in there for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like the reverse of the TCU situation where like they can't keep getting away with this, right? It's going to change at some point. Like they're going to regress to the mean at some point. And nope, like Ty just still, TCU keeps winning close games and Ty still can't go forward on offense. Um, <laughs> despite how hard each of those entities try to do the opposite um so anyway that obviously i think (laughs) i think that's still the biggest play of the game um even though it wasn't indicative of the final score eventually um but it's worth noting that that came after a defensive stop i like before i did my rewatch i completely forgot that utah had a possession before that in the second half um like once again oregon well, actually, did we win the middle eight this time? I don't think so because that uh, that scoop and score happened within those those eight. But um, yeah, so for once, right. I guess we, we finally lose it on an, on like an asterisk. Because um, again, the defense did its job coming out of the second half, and that's been Oregon's recipe for su- success. Like, even if Oregon, you know, if Oregon puts a drive together, even if it's a punt, even if it's a field goal. Um, that's still a huge difference than giving up seven points instantly uh, mm-hmm. for free. And how funny is it that literally a week ago or less than a week ago, we were <laughs> sitting in these same spots talking about how field goals aren't stops and that we need to go for it on fourth down as much as possible when we're in opposing territory. Like that script is completely out the window now due to the bow health situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Forward facing, I guess we'll see how it affects the Oregon State game. Ty seems to be doing better, but I mean, let's talk about some of the other big moments in the second half. Um, Oregon's defense finally forced some turnovers. Noah Sewell had one, Bennett Williams had a couple, um, and they finally got some stops on late downs. Like, which of which of these impressed you the most from a play standpoint? Like, what got you most excited? Well, I think for me. The biggest explanation for this is is the lack of explosive plays. Like even going back to last week, Oregon was actually able to do well in the red zone and able to do well when the field got compressed offensively. They just didn't get put themselves in that pos- position enough times. You are Utah's explosive player in this game was five percent, uh, which is in the fifteenth percentile. It's you know not good at all. Uh, and, and Colorado I think, did better than that. <laughs> yeah, the fact that they weren't able to create those explosive plays and they had to work the ball down the field allowed for this Oregon defense to do what they do best, rely on their run defense, uh, and then just a few singular really good plays, right? I mean, the Noah Sewell interception, I think it was uh, Keon Ware Hudson who had the deflection on that and you know Noah Sewell being very aware uh, and finding a way to just – get that ball before it hits the ground. Bennett Williams had two, obviously the first one. I don't know who tipped that one up, uh, but was great. And shout out to Flo. Also, I don't know if you saw in that first Bennett uh, interception, Flo just goes in and tackles Kincaid while the ball's in the air. Um, Yeah. yeah. Kincaid's (laughs) the only other guy there that could have made a play on it. And then the last one from Bennett, probably the most singularly skillful one uh, and was a huge play. I think that was again, targeting Kincaid who, had his in this game, certainly. <laughs> that was um, a theme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was a huge play. Uh, and it wasn't the last stop. I mean, there was a lot of, there was after that touchdown, and then Oregon puts together a big drive uh, where they're able to get in field goal range there um, and, and convert that. And then there's three more defensive possessions for, uh, or three more offensive possessions for Utah. And each time it kind of felt like, oh, if Oregon could get a stop there, maybe they'll be able to have the type of drive they had against Washington last week, where it's, you know, the Mm -hmm. 10-minute drive that puts the game away. And there was never much hope of the Oregon offense putting that together on any of those drives. It was, uh, yeah, it was was weird. It was really weird, Um, honestly. Yeah, it felt like... The one moment that I think needs to be mentioned too is is the first stop they get. Then Oregon gets the ball there with six minutes left, 
hits a deep shot to Dante Thornton, who shout out to him. He had a big game uh, and has emerged as like another real deep threat and explosive play threat to complement uh, Troy Franklin. And I'm super excited for their future next season, obviously. Uh, but he gets this 50 yard bomb over the top. All of a sudden you're on the edge of the red zone. And then Bo throws this interception on a really well disguised coverage to Clark Phillips. And it's inches from going for a pick six that would have mm-hmm. pretty much ended this game. It felt like. Yeah. Cam McCormick has the tackle there. It felt like Oregon had so many opportunities, like you're saying to ice the game. And instead they were just icing the fans like, Oh, sorry. Got to reset. Like, Guess you're going to have to yell again. That's how it felt for me, at least. I mean, my voice was completely shot at that point. And they just kept kept passing the torch back to us. Um, I mean, you mentioned the Clark Phillips pick. Utah goes three more plays, and then they throw another interception. That one to Bennett. Oregon goes three and out. Utah gets the ball back. Another interception on their next possession. <laughs> like um, Oregon just kept coming up with – or sorry, it wasn't an interception final uh, to end it. It was that um, – that fourth down incompletion, mm-hmm. which by the way, I mean, we're giving a lot of props to Oregon's defense and rightfully so they made some plays. Utah's offense was really disappointing in this game. I think they would love to have another crack at this one. Um, Cause I mean, there were times late in the game where I, the win probability and my, my own brain thought that Utah were going to win this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was- definitely. I mean, Tavion ran for 2.9 yards per carry. His long on the day was eight yard, an eight-yard carry. So if you're going to get that out of their lead running back, that's obviously a huge positive. Uh, and then I think the other big factor in this was, you know, Utah just doesn't have the depth of playmake, playmaking receivers to really threaten Oregon with explosive plays. And so you put Gonzo on Devon Vele, their clear number one, he's able to take care of him for the most part. And then it's just the Dalton Kincaid show and man, 17 I, targets. Yeah. 99 yards. <laughs> he is a really good player, but I think obviously when you throw to a tight end, uh, you know, the explosive play rate on those ones are going to be a lot lower because they're not the type of guy who's going to make a man miss in the open field and let, you know, unless yeah. it's Kyle Pitts or something and take it, 60 yards for a touchdown one of the georgia guys um yeah one of the georgia 48 yards after catch on 11 catches right it's not a great rate yeah yeah so i think that you know handcuffs them in terms of explosive plays it's fair to mention probably that cam rising you know might be dealing with some injuries uh I don't think they're as significant as Bose, but he obviously missed the Wazoo game a few weeks ago. Uh, and in terms of Utah fans, I mean, I think they're pretty unanimous in saying this is the worst game of his Utah career. He was not good, mm-hmm. right? 21 for 38, three interceptions. But I don't think this Utah offense is, I, I don't know, I've been skeptical of it against better competition because it sets them up like this, especially after Keithy went down. Like you have one guy in Vele at receiver. If the other team has a cornerback one, which Oregon has, then you're, it's just going to be the Dalton Kincaid show. Uh, and Mm -hmm. sometimes that might work, but you know, it's just limiting your options a lot. There's not a lot of other places to go. Uh, and yeah, you know, that that was just the nature of it, and they couldn't really establish a run game. But neither could Oregon in this game, too, which was definitely surprising. Uh, wh- you know, what was your take on that for the Ducks offense? Well, I was just going to say it seemed kind of odd because I think Dillingham really – he really galaxy-brained the second-half, like, offensive scheme, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we were running the ball for a little bit, but in times when I expected us to – to run the ball consistently, we would go five wide with Bo. Um, And I kind of understand it from a scheme standpoint and in terms of like uh, reverse psychology, really. But outside of that, there's really no reason to be doing this. Um, We know Bo's not a huge, like everyone in the stadium knows Bo is not a huge running threat at this point. Um, I, I just don't really, I don't know. I, at the end of the day, I mean, you look at, simply the box score Oregon scored three offensive points in the second half three points total 
in the entire second half. Um, that is that is not what you want to see. Uh, but then on the other side of it, you talked about Utah's offense. Like, yeah, Oregon's defense stepped up, and Utah's offense was abysmal. Like, I think Utah's offense was way worse than we're even giving them credit for. I mean, they scored one touchdown all game. Yeah. Uh, and sure, you know, the kicker missed a field goal, whatever. E- even if you give them that field goal uh, as something the offense earned, you're still talking about 13 points for the entire game. Like, that defensive touchdown was just handed to them, and without it, I don't think Utah gets back in this game, really. Um, I mean, they're still, you know, Oregon can still keep them uh, outside of a one-score game. I don't know, man. Um Utah was really, really disappointing in this game. And boy, am I thankful for it. Uh, Again, like you said, one of three in the red zone. Time of possession was pretty even. It wasn't really a factor. Just a a very odd game all around from both teams offensively. Um, Now, going forward. Yeah, go go ahead. I think this was uh, Crepia who pointed this out. Uh, and I'm just scanning the box score really quick to try, or the play-by-play to try to confirm it. I'm pretty sure Oregon went for the ball or went for it on third down uh, 15 times in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the first 14 were all passes. Wow. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm gonna let you look that one up. Yeah, so no, come through that. But I, I'm, I'm coming <laughs> I will, through it, and I will maybe I missed that. one, but. It's almost all passing plays on third down until the last one that Bo keeps it to seal the game. Uh, that's really interesting. A lot that's of them situationally, just from a glance, are you know obviously a little bit further, uh, you know third and eights and such that that you might lean towards a pass. But still, we saw Oregon you know last week against Washington on third and sixes and stuff. It's just hand it off. We can get those yards. Uh, mm-hmm. or get and we close know it's and go for territory. it again. Yeah, then yeah. they didn't do that this time. Yeah, and I kind of liked that, honestly. Um, again, sort of reverse reverse psychology. Um, I, I Well, did I like it, actually? Because it didn't really work. I mean, we went 7 for 15 <laughs> on third right. downs. Uh, and the only fourth down we went for, we, we got. I don't know. I wanted to see more jumbo. I mean, Oregon was surprisingly bad on the offensive line. Um, and surprisingly good, I think, on the defensive line. I mean, the defense was finally getting some push, finally making rising like work for something. It last game afterwards, we said like this was an encapsulation. This was an exact encapsulation of like what both teams are really good and really bad at. You know, it was very demonstrative of what we knew already. Yeah. Uh, this game was the exact opposite. Like again, both our score predict, like all four of our score predictions, including like with and without bows caveats. We're all higher total, way higher totals than this. Um, 2017 is what it is. I don't know. Like, thank God this wasn't for playoff implications because, good Lord, the style points were not anywhere to be found in this game. But um, I don't know, man. Any other moments you want to point out? Any other uh, things you want to shout out about this game? It was strange, but I, you know, I loved it just because of how ugly it was. Um and was just proud that the team like found a way to win this game that the defense stepped up and had easily their best performance when we needed it um and I think it showed some heart in this team I think it's a good win for Lanning like I think these are the things too you know hires new hires in college football I always say are extremely volatile because they can swing on weird little games like this that make the difference between, you know, eight, nine and 10 win seasons and um, between making conference title games and making new year six games. And because of the way the sport works, all those little steps, you know, get, get built upon into much wider gaps in the outcomes, you know, two, three years down the line for coaching staffs that do get those breaks or don't. Uh, And, Oregon earned this one in a really weird way, but uh, it doesn't take away how enjoyable it was after the game was over to have found a way to get it done for me. I'm trying to think of the last time I saw like a an ugly win live. I mean, or the even that when we've there's been one in Otson. Like the UCLA oh. game was not close; didn't feel close. 
I mean, like the Cal uh, game last year was incredibly ugly. Uh, yeah, that's probably gonna be it's probably gonna be the one for me. Like the Oregon, Oregon State one last year, I went to kind of, but not really. It, well, yeah, that was that was pretty good. Um, I just mean it didn't good. come down to like the final possession or anything or the final drive like this game did. Um, yeah. So, anyways, good for the Ducks for pulling it out, even if they did it in a different way. Um. Players of the game, which you remembered to put on the sheet and that I remembered to highlight and say out loud on the podcast. Um, defensively, I mean, I'm going to take Bennett Williams first and foremost. Amazing bounce back game. Um, I don't know if he could have had a better bounce back game than he did from last week. Um, obviously, Sewell deserves kudos for his interception too, but who's maybe like an underrated guy that stood out for you on the defense? Yeah, Sewell definitely deserves to be highlighted. The other guy is Casey Rogers. He came in with two mm. big tackles for a loss on some key third downs there. Um, and he it's just was shot. a man in the middle that, I mean, you needed to win the battle of the line of scrimmage in this game. Like, if Utah ran the ball for a five or six yard per carry clip on Oregon in this game, it was done for. Like, mm-hmm. So Casey came through in a few big spots there. Uh, Dorless had one too, a big third down stop. But yeah, I'll give it to Casey Rogers. Definitely a breakout game for him. And cool in a spot, you know, it's senior night um, and all that. And Forsyth not being able to go. Like this team was definitely undermanned. And I think that all those injuries and the lack of practice reps for Bo play into it a lot more than you might realize as fans, right? Like I think Dilly mm-hmm. had to adapt on the fly and call a different game than he probably expected. Uh, and we've seen enough from this offense that it doesn't, you know, worry me in the long term. Like, is this offensive scheme okay? It, you know, I think we know that it is at this point. Uh, so it was mm-hmm. cool to just get it done in that respect. Uh, is it too cruel to call Cam Rising a defensive MVP for Oregon in this <laughs> game? Because, good lord, he certainly helped. Um, offensively, I mean, Bo didn't have a great game statistically, but I mean, this is the, this is the, the grit game ball. You know what I mean? Um, obviously he has that scamper at the end of the game to close it out and get the first down. Uh, he had a decent time considering the circumstances, uh, in the backfield there. Uh, you mentioned Dante Thornton. He had 151 yards receiving, which is absolutely insane. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Chris Hudson. He got a lot of touches early. Um, and he, I mean, he only ended up with like 56 yards and a, a long run of 20. But I mean, I think he kind of set the tone for the game on that first mm-hmm. drive that like, okay, we're here to fight. Like we're not here to just roll over and give up. Like we've seen Oregon teams do in years past. Um, yeah. So I thought that was pretty valuable. Hudson Who else? Was... I, I know I'm just naming everybody before you get a chance. But... Well, Hudson was a guy who did it a lot of that last game too like when Oregon was down big or last year in last year's game against Utah also when Mm. we were in Salt Lake and down big I remember that second half Hudson was a guy who came out and like made a few plays did something that you know he looked like one of the in some ways few guys that like were really fighting to get back in that game at that point but I have to give it to Thornton 100 percent um I mean, I, the 151 yards is impressive. Equally impressive is that he only did that on four catches. Uh, mm-hmm. That's an average of that's insane. <laughs> 37.8 yards per catch. Uh, he was the guy to make an explosive play in this game. Um, and that is an awesome element to add to this team this late in the season. Uh, you know, we know what Troy can do, but Dante's a dude, right? Uh, Dante is mm-hmm. a dude. And he i mean he has the pedigree uh of you know in terms of recruiting of all the elite receivers in this conference he can be every bit as good as those guys uh and i think in a potential like pac-12 title match versus usc or something that's going to rely on a lot of explosive plays obviously if we get to that point that is definitely a valuable weapon to have and a guy that can potentially help us go you know hit for hit with Jordan Addison and Taj Washington and Mario Williams and those guys. Um, and I think I speak for both of us when I say that the fumbling thing is not 
necessarily a huge concern going forward. I mean, that's not something you expect to be sustainable for a receiver necessarily. So as yeah. long as he cleans that up, I think it'll be fine. The pitch on that weird double reverse or whatever it was, is just kind of an odd play to begin with. Um, really don't like the play call right there. Um, but anyways, also shout out to Troy Franklin. Get Not a huge game by his standards, but he still had a touchdown catch. Immensely important one as well. Uh, and a right. difficult one. Yeah, um, a little play in some ways, but obviously, like, you know, you settle for a field the goal game there. Ends 20 to 17. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, man. Sweet. We actually remember to do players of the game on time this time. Uh, looking forward, I think the easiest way, the most accessible way we can kind of approach this civil war or not civil war, whatever it's called, um, what about this game do you think? carries over into the next one because I'm really hoping the defense does. And based on who Oregon state is going to be starting at quarterback, I would, I would like to think there's a good shot that the defense makes some plays in this game. Would you agree? Yeah, I think there is a good shot. Just looking at it, that the defense can have a similar uh, performance. I mean, you know, Oregon, you look at like EPA models, whatever it is, success rate, anything like Oregon's defense against the pass has been atrocious. Their defense against the run has been pretty solid. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's has potential to match up with like a Oregon state running game. That's getting better. It's improving. Um, you know, it's, it's got moving in in some of these things to like top 40 range uh, and Oregon's defense against the run is kind of 50 or 60 range um, depending where you go here. Uh, but like, if Oregon can do well against the run, Oregon State does not have a competent passing attack, really, especially after Goldbranson has taken over there, uh, to threaten the Ducks. And so I think it sets up for an ugly game, pretty similar to this Utah game. Uh, you know, you rely on the defense, and on the offensive side, I think you kind of substitute the few explosive plays that you got with Thornton to move down the field for probably you know because Oregon State secondary is pretty good but their run defense isn't that great maybe a more consistent running game uh, that you didn't have necessarily against Utah yeah I mean again we'll see how Oregon State's defense responds they've obviously been hugely successful against the past this season well I mean not immensely successful but they've been the best secondary in the conference which is a solid compliment at this point uh, it's better than saying they're the best defense, which they probably are too, but that's another discussion. Um, offensively, you mentioned Oregon running the ball. Like, who who do you think gets more carries coming up in this game? I mean, there's not a huge difference uh, in terms of who Whittington and Bucky can each be, like, um, effective against. But should we be thinking about it that way? I kind of feel like uh, this is more anecdotal, but it feels to me like Bucky is better against the worst run defenses and Noah's kind of better like against the better ones like Utah. Like Noah can be a little shiftier and break it, but if the blocks are set up, Bucky's the guy who's just going to rumble through there and get you six, seven, eight yards every time. Um, but you know, they've both been good here. I think we'll probably see a similar split definitely, uh, to what we have the past few games. And it's interesting that we talked about that running back rotation, getting pared down in the early season. It's pretty much pared down to just two, those two guys at this point. Um, I mean, usually on a team with a one, two punch like this, you have like somebody who's this style of back or you know there, there's like some sort of difference between them they both got 10 carries in the last game so that that was just on my mind a little bit but um in terms of Oregon State's defense we know the secondary is good uh but there are other guys who can affect this game like Oregon's concern with the offensive line like is is that that's kind of a little um kind of a little bit Jesus that's a bit of a concern for me going forward in this game. Uh, without Forsyth, obviously, it's a much different unit. I think he's a little more healthy. You probably know better than I do at this point uh, on what the updates were this week. But, I mean, 
this offensive line should still be able to dominate the trenches, right? Right? Hopefully. I, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, definitely. I mean, there's still some guys in there for sure, um, but it's a different unit without Forsyth. I think you hope that even just if Forsyth can't go, having Nick's actually able to practice this week, having, like, I think Walk was pretty injured as well. I think Bass was a little banged up. Obviously, JPJ went out of this game. Um, so it wasn't just Forsyth even. Like, I think a lot of things behind the scenes just made it. So this was a game that Oregon wasn't able to get great prep in for offensively and in the run game particularly. Um, but, I mean, obviously in the pass game as well, I guess, with Bo. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, I think it should be better a week out. I think Bo hopefully will feel a little better. He had an interview today that was encouraging, saying, you know, he should be go to go, and he feels a lot better this week, you know, this Tuesday than he did a week ago on Tuesday. The right kind of things that I think are honest. It seemed like, you know, it was interesting that both Lanning and Bo were pretty candid after the Utah game, saying, like, yeah, there were moments on Monday and Tuesday that we didn't really think he would probably be able to play and that it was mm-hmm. really a game-time decision that they used every last hour up to it, uh, you know, doing rehab, getting treatment to actually get him on the field and be able to play. So I think, hopefully, I don't think it's going to totally go away, but uh, I think it's something that will continue to get better. Uh, Matt, my co-host on No Truck Stop, said an interesting thing about how his his uh, – injury i think is on his lead foot when throwing uh Mm. and basically the you know idea is that that lead foot is gonna cause you more issues when like driving the ball kind of you know bullet pass into a tight window or whatever it is but on those kind of air it out deep shots you can throw off the back leg a little more uh so maybe you know that seemed like it was true in what we saw of the utah game kind of in a weird way like you know you, you'd kind of think, oh, this guy's injured. It will affect his power on deep throws if you're just thinking of, like, the, you know, rudimentary, yeah. like, yeah. let's just decrease the arm strength rating in Madden by 20 or whatever. It doesn't really work <laughs> like that. Uh, <laughs> able to do the deep throws. His arm's still fine. He can play off the back leg. Was able to do that with Thornton uh, a few times. But some of those tighter windows really driving the ball with, you know, speed probably – is going to continue to struggle with that for a few weeks. Um, so that's an interesting dynamic of like how it really affects the nets and bolts of this, de- of this offense. Um, but hopefully this will be a game. I think the easiest path is just if you're able to run the ball pretty well against Oregon state, like that would be the best thing. Yep. Have your defense get some stops, which as I said, I, I think they'll be able to do throughout this game. Um, just got to capitalize and hopefully Oregon state can't do what we expect to do against them, which is just bruise us all game. Um, cause I actually for once feel pretty comfortable about this defense going into a game. So we'll see how that goes, um, around the conference. Well, first of all, anything else you want to point out about this matchup here? It's about well, a touchdown, touchdown spread for Oregon. Like, what do you think of it? Well, it's down a little bit now. I think consensus is down to like a field goal for Oregon. Oh, um, that's just what you want to see. Yeah, and the over-under is at uh, 58. So, oh, God, what would this be? Uh, this is back to the old days. This is like a right? <laughs> 31-28 game, uh, something like that. Um, a little bit lower so, than that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, that's... Uh, interesting. You know, I think that Oregon, that feels about right. Maybe, uh, it's, it's an interesting question though. Like if this defensive transformation is real for Oregon, there's reason to think that the ducks could hold Oregon state to, I don't know, not that, not that many points, like 20 points or something. Uh, right. I mean, they scored 21 versus Washington. They only scored 38 and 31 versus Cal and Arizona state. Um, you know, and Arizona State isn't a great defense by any means. Uh, I didn't get great eyes on that game, though. So, honestly, I, you know, I couldn't say with certainty exactly. But uh, this offense, since Gull Branson has taken over, you know, not great. Damian Martinez has surged in the backfield, like we've talked about a little bit here, uh, and has 
you know, been a good back for them, but it's still not quite like the dominant rushing attack that I think people might assume from a Jonathan Smith team having watched them like the past couple seasons. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, I think that matchups feed in well, but just worth mentioning the spread there. Like it's a game that Oregon probably wants to get to 30 ish. Uh, and that's an interesting task, right? I mean, we might've expected a little higher scoring, uh, you know, with Bo healthy, but now it's reduced a little bit and Oregon state's been one of the best defenses in the conference. So 30 is, is probably a yeah, tough mark. Let's to get call to, it a race could. to 30. Yeah. Uh, ranked matchup. Um, I can't remember the last time that was the case in the civil war. I don't think it was last year. Was it or the not civil war? Whatever that we need a new name for this rivalry so I can know what to actually call it. We definitely um, do. Yeah, the, whether it's something platypus related or not, I really don't care. At this I like point. the platy. The platy's fine. The platy is good. See, I like when you put that spin on it. It's a little different than the the platypus cup. Just sounds kind of lame, but um, I don't know. I used to think that was a good idea too, but I, you know, give it a couple weeks and I'll probably change my mind again. Um, who's the key player in this game, Bo? Yeah, is right. That it? I, mean, I mean, it's Bo. I, I, Foresight deserves a huge shout too. Obviously, uh, I think the statuses of both those guys are pretty big. Um. All right, man. Let's predict this game. Uh, last week, as I said, we were not super confident uh, in the defense in either defense's ability to stop each other. But um, we did both correctly predict, I guess, that Oregon would win if we had Bo playing. For the most part, that was true. So. Um, let's just assume he plays again. We think he's doing better this week than he was last week. How do you see this? Like, is this another 20 to 17 esque game or is there a world where this game goes to a shootout? I don't see a world where this turns into a shootout. I think that Oregon's protected their secondary is just protected so much by the quality of Oregon state's passing game. Uh, so I see this as, Ooh, I'd say like maybe a 24-14 Oregon win. I'd probably mm. go with that right now. I, I kind of believe that this defense might have turned a corner. Ooh, I like that verbiage. Uh, I'm Dude, I think this is going to be a, like a real sick in the head game, like a real can't believe we gave up two safeties and still won or something like that <laughs> type of game uh, where you just do anything you can to get out of Reezer alive or with your head above water. Um, gosh, I'm thinking something like 30 to 22. Or how about this? 30 to 28 and the Ducks win on a stopped two-point conversion. Um that's what i'll go with yeah i might change it actually i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 24 20 i think i actually think it will be closer than that uh but i still think that would be a good performance from this defense but i think finding your way to a couple field goals there i yeah i mean still 20 is you know would be by the standards of what we've seen this season is a successful defensive performance for for oregon one other part we didn't talk about with the utah game um and something that Greg, as we mentioned again, brought up, um, or maybe you brought up Matt last time. I can't remember all these Utah people. They all got the four letter names. Uh, <laughs> Utah's kicker situation didn't seem all that great last game. That was something they were concerned about throughout. Um, for once, I'm not, you know, knock on wood when I say this, but I'm not super concerned about Cam Lewis's ability to hit a big field goal um, from within like 50 ish yards if he needs to. Um, so maybe that makes a difference. I don't know. Oregon State, I know they're on their backup kicker from earlier in the season, but I think he's been doing fine anyways. Um, so I, I don't know if that'll be a factor or not, but just something to keep an eye on. All right. Uh, let's go around the conference a little bit. Everybody probably knows pretty much all the results at this point, but if for whatever reason you didn't know that UCLA, that USC beat UCLA in the Rose Bowl, uh, go watch the highlights because it was an insanely entertaining game and I'm really sad that both these teams are leaving the conference. But anyways, uh, USC 45, UCLA, or sorry, God, dude, all these acronyms, man. USC 48, UCLA 45. 
big win for the Trojans. They're in the Pac-12 title game. And we, we're obliged to talk scenarios here. I haven't dove into the conference championship game scenario stuff. This is usually right up my alley and something that I, I love talking about and figuring out. But this year, I'm like, just just win, and I don't want to have to care about the rest of it. Um, so from what I understand, if the Ducks win, we're in regardless. Mm-hmm. If the Ducks win, if the Ducks win, or sorry, Jesus, the Ducks <laughs> lose and Wazoo wins, we're in regardless, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I think that's and it, though. That's it. For, for for Oregon. If both those games don't go Oregon's way, then it comes down to uh, the Cal-UCLA game. If UCLA wins, Utah's in. If Cal wins, Washington's in. That That is disgusting, and I really don't enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. Well, okay. <laughs> I guess, like, how dumb is it that whatever Cal does helps decide what might happen in the Pac-12 title game? That is absolutely stupid. Yeah, but whatever. Um, I guess we don't really have a place to complain because UW beat us head-to-head anyways. But one more time, I guess we have to say a reminder that they had the easiest conference schedule I have ever seen. Um, oh my! I had the most. Five. I had the most infuriating argument with a UW fan. He was like, the playoff committee's way overthinking it. If these teams have the same record and Washington won head-to-head, they need to stop cherry-picking metrics and looking into their crystal balls. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like that's when you uh, – it's a conspiracy when you think Georgia is a better team than Arizona State. Like that's a yeah, cra- yeah. crazy conspiracy theory. That loss shouldn't <laughs> count against you as much as losing in Tempe. <laughs> You're pushing an agenda, Reed. I need you to stop that. Um. um anyways, so the, uh, this, this stuff's kind of interesting though because the other thing here that's that's looming out there is a Rose Bowl bid, right? If USC wins yes. out, they're going to have a good shot at making the playoffs. Uh, not a lock necessarily, but you'd expect. I them. think it's a lock. I think we can quell this discussion. I think I think it's a lock. Okay, you heard it from Charlie first. It is a lock. Yes, if USC went out there in the playoff. I think you're pretty much right. Uh, on the other side, should we go with it now? What really dumb fact of the podcast? Uh, oh Jesus! Yeah, go for okay. it. Okay, I I haven't even pulled it up to look. <sighs> so this is so ridiculous, but. I'm I'm too Oregon fan brained to not just have tried it, right? So you go on you go on five thirty eight's playoff predictor. You can you can click four buttons on there. Doesn't give you an error message, doesn't say it's less than point two five percent or whatever. Uh probability happened. You can click four buttons and Oregon has a sixty six percent chance to make the playoff if you click these buttons. What are those buttons? Um, I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, one's obvious. Oregon wins out. You need that one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oregon Three winning more. out. I think. I think one of them is Clemson losing to South Carolina. Clemson losing to South Carolina. Yes. Jeez. Okay. Um. Like, what else would tilt the scales that much? Like, not Georgia losing to Georgia Tech. I won't even let me pick that. I don't know. What? Well, give me. Give me a hint on one of them or something. If, if you add in TCU losing to Iowa State, you get to sixty three percent for Oregon to make the playoff. Then you can add in USC winning actually gets you to sixty eight percent. Georgia winning out gets you to sixty six percent. Both those things happening gets you to seventy four percent chance. For Oregon to make so it's the five buttons. Five, well, it's, it's five, five to get to seventy-four, but it's only it's only three to get to sixty-three. God, that's oh, Jesus, man. To um, get to a positive I chance, d- it just needs three things. To <laughs> Imagine if this team ended up playing Georgia again. That would be so. That would be disgusting. The entire college football world would would hate it, including me. I I would hate it. Um. Get me to the Rose Bowl. I want to go to Pasadena. I've never been before. I finally have the disposable income to do that. Uh, take my money, Rose Bowl. Take my money and pick Oregon. Um, I believe our 
your friend Avery over at our friend Avery over at No Truck Stops uh, has outlined a scenario in which Oregon State is able to make the Rose Bowl. I don't think it's a real scenario. <laughs> it involves some some sickness, as in like you know, both the state schools beating Washington and Oregon, USC winning the Pac-12 title, and then apparently she thinks nine and three uh, Oregon State is going to get a bid to the Rose Bowl over like nine and three UW or even nine and four Oregon. Um, yeah, or nine and three Utah, who also beat Oregon yeah. State by forty. Uh, yeah, I don't know yeah, if that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's kind of an interesting scenario where um, Oregon, if Oregon get if it's between UW and Utah, you know, let's say Oregon loses, Oregon's pr- to Oregon State, Oregon's probably knocked out. It's a weird scenario where UW and Utah are fighting to get to this na- to get to this conference title game based on what happens in the UCLA Cal game for some reason. Uh, and yet, in some ways, the team that stays home has the better chance to go because probably if U- USC wins through and goes to the playoff, the team that stays home at uh, you know if it's UW at ten and two or even Utah at nine and three, both ranked pretty high right now, uh, would probably be the highest remaining team ranked. Maybe uh, I think if Oregon lose a close game, they probably stay ahead of Utah. If Oregon loses um, uh, a close game, but U- Washington wins out, I think Washington might be ahead of Oregon. So I don't know. But it's not necessarily ranking, right? It's just whoever the Rose Bowl chooses. I think they've said they would go with the team with the highest ranking, but they're not oh, required okay. to. I think that's what right. it is. Interesting. Uh, based on like a tweet I that you know, happen to be on my feet, but that could be wrong. Um, okay. Well, I mean, either way, like th- the way I'm approaching this weekend is like beat the Beavers. If we lose, I will be extremely depressed and I won't be surprised if we get, you know, booted out of the conference championship game and, or the Rose bowl. So let's just win. Um, yeah, let- let's just win. Which, by the way, though, how funny would it be if we lost, still made the conference title game, uh, and then spoiled USC's playoff party uh, by beating them, and then also spoiling their Rose Bowl party because we would be the conference champions and by default go to the Rose Bowl. Like, how great would that be? Um, I want USC. I also am rooting hard. Even (laughs) if we do win, you got to root hard for Washington State to upset Washington. Oh, of course. Which is two-point spread right now, realistic in Pullman uh, because another scenario here, and I know it's probably tiresome at some point, but if Oregon gets in, loses to USC, Oregon sitting there at 10 and three, are the ducks still ranked up above a 10 and two Washington team? That would wow. be a, that'd be an interesting scenario. Um, speaking of the, the, these games coming up, let's just get to these uh, PAC 12 spreads so we can stop talking about scenarios. Um, <laughs> I'll give you pick of the board. Like, where do you want to go? Do you want to start with the biggest matchup? Do you want to do like the worst matchup? Because there's certainly a contender for that one too. Like, what are you What are you looking at? Let's get Let's get the bad ones off the board, right? So I'm gonna go with Stanford, and I'll just combine it. I'm gonna go with Stanford, and uh, I'll just go with Utah to cover. Sure, why not? First Colorado. Uh, Stanford's Stanford playing BYU. Play... Stanford play BYU and BYU are six and a half point favorites Mm -hmm. in Stanford. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh God, man, this is, this is really truly awful. If you watch this game, you need to visit the doc. You better be doing it from the hospital. um, Yeah. Cause you are, you are very sick and you need, you need help. Um, hmm, I guess I'll pick BYU. I don't really care. Uh, Stanford are so bad, man. I saw somebody on Twitter today saying that Notre Dame should be ranked like ahead of Penn State or all these other teams. Like Notre Dame would beat all these other teams ahead of them. It's like, did you guys forget that Notre Dame lost to Stanford? Stanford at home, like and no and, team. They shouldn't even be in the top fifteen. And they lost to Marshall, and they should have lost to Cal. And Marshall are bad. 
This is not like a, a, a plucky G5 or something. Like Marshall, I don't think they're going to be bowl eligible. I haven't checked. But. They also they um, also beat Navy by three. So this wasn't this wasn't a one off when <laughs> lost to Stanford. They, they also beat BYU by like one score, right? Yeah, like that was a semi close game. Yeah, just disgusting. Um, that's an 8 p.m. kick on FS1. That that BYU Stanford game. Holy crap! We've already spent too much time talking about this. Um, uh, I'll do Apple Cup. Like you said, two-point spread for Washington. This one's in Pullman on the Palouse. Seven and four Cougs hosting the nine and two Huskies. I'm, I'm going to pick Washington State. I really do think, like, they have a shot to win this game. I know, like, on paper Washington should win, but it's going to be freezing cold, literally speaking. It's a 7.30 kick, Pac-12 after dark. Like, something crazy is going to happen. Cougs finally overcame their, like, losing streak in this series last year. Um, give me the Cougs. Let's go. I'm going with the emotional hedge. I'm gonna pick Washington. Uh, I also okay. think it might be the right pick. But honestly, this is the type of game. Like, I'm not that big of a sports gambler, but it's the type of game. Like, just throw throw some money on Washington. Might as well, you know, because then it's like either you make what, however much you want to bet, or you. Yeah, I do think happy. the spread should be a little bit more. Yeah. Um. I'm honestly just just picking for pride at this point, yeah. Because uh, my record is so terrible that I'm not going to read it out. But you are one game above 500, my friend, so you have a chance to really do something here. Um, do do do. I'm on the wrong. Arizona, week. Arizona State. That's a fun yeah, one. Yeah, territorial cup, baby. Friday afternoon. No, Friday at noon. Wildcats. Arizona four point favorites. Yeah, four point favorites. That is interesting. Uh, I like That's Arizona high? a lot better. So I'm going to go with Arizona. Yeah, I do, I do too. Um, I think it would be funny if Arizona State won this game, just based on how each of these programs are trending in complete opposite directions. Uh, but, I mean, Arizona is the much better team and should definitely win by more than four points. So I will pick the Wildcats. Um, yeah, let's keep getting these bad ones out of the way. Uh, UCLA... Are they at Cal? Yeah, that game's in Berkeley. Um, the Bruins are 10-point favorites and even 10. I mean, have, has Vegas watched Cal recently? Like, this should be a 17-point spread. UCLA just very nearly beat the sixth-best team in the country, um, if if not a, you know, a playoff-bound team. Like, give me the Bruins against this spread for sure. Yeah, it's a potential letdown spot, but in terms of how good these actual teams are, uh, you'd have to go with UCLA. I'm going to pick them for 10 points, too. Uh, it is worth noting that um, Carlos has been picking this as, a, as a Cal win all year, so that'd be pretty funny if that comes to fruition. But um, let's see. We're not going to pick the Oregon game. We already gave our predictions for that. I don't know why I haven't incorporated those into the into the rankings this year. Utah-Colorado, 1 p.m. Pac-12 Network on Saturday. This will probably be the least-watched game of the weekend. Utah are 29.5-point favorites. Colorado failed to cover 30 points in their last, like, two, I think even three weeks. Um, I'm I'm going with Utah. I'm going with Utah, too. Colorado's 2-9 and nine against the spread this year. With these huge Yikes. lines, they're still two and two and nine against the spread. That is crazy. Um, final game. You you want to introduce it? With Pac-12 playoff hopes on the line. Yes, uh, sir. This is uh you have to root for someone bowl. Uh, <laughs> let's hope a meteor hits the stadium. USC Notre <laughs> Dame four thirty on ABC in the Coliseum. Uh, USC five and a half point favorites in this game. I think they will cover that spread. I think they're overall the better team than Notre Dame. I think the ACC is weak this year. And Notre Dame snagged a lot of wins from it against a terrible, what, what essentially amounts to a conference slate. They play like seven games or something against the ACC. Um, and we talked about their other poor performances. Yeah, give me the Trojans. I mean, it is just ridiculous looking at Notre Dame's schedule, seeing how they performed against all these other teams. You know, should have lost to Cal. We already ran through it. Lost to Marshall. Lost to Stanford. Almost lost to BYU. And then you look at what they did against the ACC. Oh, North Carolina, who was ranked 15th last week, they beat by 13. 
Clemson, who was ranked, uh, who is ranked what seventh or eighth? They beat by twenty-one points. Syracuse, they killed too. Boston College, they just beat forty-four to nothing. Um, I mean, it is just absurd how bad the ACC is this year. Truly, uh, I do not understand why they're getting any any respect at all. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and say Notre Dame is fraudulent as well, and pick USC. Also, another spot for a good quality emotional hedge because I will surely be rooting for Notre Dame in this game despite my hatred for them because I hate USC just a little bit more. Hopefully Oregon's able to knock them off though, either way. Um all right, well we let that's the most games we've we've picked in a week since like the since week like 3 or something because we finally got some out of conference ones mixed in there. So uh we'll see how all that stuff shakes out. I think we should we should pick some conference titles and bowls and stuff too just just so I can try to get my record back up into the positives at the end of the year. But um, we will see how this week goes. Reed, what else are you looking out for on a lovely little rivalry week we have uh, across the country? Roll wave watch, I guess we have to do first. Um, Friday at noon, Tulane at Cincinnati. Actually, I guess I won't be watching this game at all because I'll be watching the World Cup. But No, it's, it's um, 9 a.m., west coast time it's 9 a.m pacific so you will be watching this game everyone will be watching this game tulane's gonna take a big lead at half (laughs) it's gonna lead us right into some positive vibes going into the u.s england game at 11 uh so yes you will be watching this game uh, as will the rest of us uh one game i will actually be watching michigan and ohio state um i mean that's two versus three it's a de facto like play into the playoff uh, I think it's safe to say like neither of these teams are losing to Iowa or whoever the hell ends up in the Big Ten title opposite them. Big Ten mm. really needs to scrap divisions. Like, dear God, this is bad. Uh, I would rather watch this game like three weeks in a row than um, have to see Iowa play football in a meaningful game. Um, I got to say, I had go both these teams preseason in the playoff. Ohio State That's and Michigan. That's true, you did. Yeah, I called it, man. I called it. I had Georgia too. Well, it Al- hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Alabama picks. I mean, the loser of this game, unless it's a blowout, I think they're going. I think they're going. Dude, I don't think. So. I think if USC wins, wins out and wins the title, they're going. Like, yeah, it would they be, have a great resume at this point. That would or be at the that, o- point, that, that would be the only thing, though. I think that's a pretty big thing. Like, but, but you don't think conference champion Clemson is making it in over non-conference champion one loss Michigan. But I think probably TCU or, Oh yeah, no, 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 no shot. Michigan's making, I mean, I think, I don't think Clemson is a better team than either of these teams, but I just don't know if it's going to happen. I think with a close loss, Michigan's in over Clemson. Let's let's see how it works, man. I'm really curious. Uh, I think if that scenario you're talking about happens, where Clemson wins out, wins the ACC, and one loss Michigan still makes it over them, I think at that point we have a de facto Big Two. I mean, we already basically have it like with the SEC and Big Ten, but if that specific scenario goes down and Michigan gets in over Clemson, I think that's when we have like a, a pretty clear-cut big two going on or honestly the same thing with USC like that that same rule applies if you swap out USC for Clemson I'm more Um, worried about if TCU and USC went out they're probably in with the winner of this game I just don't think it's going to happen I think that Michigan or Ohio State's going to get in the I think both of them are going to get in I mean it's still possible that TCU loses by the way I mean they they keep winning and so we have to keep ranking them four but I mean they very well could lose to Iowa State this weekend 41% 41% chance to win out for TCU, according to 538, 34% for USC. Wow. That's crazy. Um, that TCU game is on around the same time as Oregon, Oregon State, and around the same time as the Iron Bowl. Um, man, how sad is it that the Iron Bowl is going to get better ratings than the Civil War this year, than not Civil War? God, I, I might just start calling it Civil War again. The um, The platy, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Let's see. What else catches your eye on here? A lot of early games. I, L- guess, I mean, LSU and TCU and weird matchups versus four and seven teams that are power rated kind of good. Uh, Iowa State's four and seven, but they're only 10 point dogs to TCU. Texas A&M's four and seven, one and six in the SEC, but they're only 10 point dogs to top five LSU. That doesn't tell you how about- weird this year is and how like not how few great teams we have that are four and five are that uh, small favorites to really bad teams. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, that, that just tells you everything you need to know about this season outside of Georgia and maybe Ohio state and maybe Michigan. Uh, if you need a second game to flip to during commercials of Notre Dame at USC, which as you said, is prime time four thirty on ABC, mm-hmm. uh, Kansas at Kansas state might be worth your time a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just a little bit. Also, Tennessee at Vandy, if you have the SEC network, worth worth looking at just for the laughs, just no. for memes. Truly, Speaking of memes, man, Pitt at at Miami. <laughs> it's yeah, all at that's the same true. Time. What time is that? That's a 5 p.m. kick. It's on ACC network though, which I don't think. Oh, I, you might have to. Yeah, stream insights might have that one illegal to watch it yeah i think true for um, me this weekend's as simple as like i don't know what i'll have on my second screen but first screen it's going to be michigan ohio state leading into oregon uh oregon state leading into usc notre dame leading into washington washington state and that's going to fill up my day nice that's that's a solid day right there that's a solid. Um, I, I at least have one game I really care about in every window, and I'll you know flip around on the second screen from there. Yeah, I think this might be the most consistent like four window slate that we've had all year from an Oregon standpoint. Um, this is going to be really fun. I'm I'm very excited for this weekend. Stuffing my face with leftovers, um, and then I got to hop on a plane Sunday morning. Um, or two. Uh, I'm going to Denmark. I got to do that that work thing. Oh. Um, huh. So yeah, the, the jet lag will be brutal, but uh, yeah, it should be fun. I'm excited. Um, all right, man. Anything else? We uh, I think we that is it. Yeah. Uh, I we, I hope you guys got a good sense of the scenarios. If you didn't, uh, get them from someone else. Pack twelve site. Yeah. Them <laughs> Yeah, uh, I guarantee you there's there's a couple like spreadsheets or flow charts out there that can help you out with that. So Yeah. Um just win. Let's beat the beefs, you know. As it doesn't have to be pretty, just win. Exactly. Um, all right, Reed, great talking to you, man. Uh let's hope the ducks get it done. Go ducks. Go ducks.